0: Yep. Okay, welcome back. This is a special edition of Russell Street Replay. We are previewing day three of the 2023 NFL Draft. Uh, really excited to have Jared Pinder, one of my colleagues at the Russell Street Report, on the pod with me. Jared, how are you doing today?
1: Man, it's been a long time since, since I've been on Russell Street Replay, but I am really happy I am back. It is a brand new um, year, brand new season. We are in late April, which all can only can mean one thing to kill it's draft season and i am really excited about this draft season i've been grinding a lot of tape i'm sure you have too around around these guys And i'm really excited to getting into the the portion of the draft that not a lot of fans might know about and hopefully we can teach teach the the, these um these fans and these listeners when i know a lot about the day three guys something a little bit that that they might not know
0: yeah yeah i think that's the interesting thing about day three is you know there's there's such a massive pool of prospects for day 3 because there's, there's there's hundreds um because i think there's what at least 150 or so picks on day 3 and there's probably double that number of prospects that could get drafted that are being considered by teams. And so really, even from, you know, people like us who are really, really dialed in on the draft, it's hard to even, you know, keep up with them all. The thing I want to start with today's podcast though, we are recording this on Wednesday afternoon. And so this is as rumors swirl about a DeAndre Hopkins trade, you know, there are rumors that the, um, the chiefs and the bills are still in um, as well as the Ravens. There's a lot of rumors that the Ravens are close to getting a deal done. Um, I've personally heard that the Chiefs um, are probably third in the rankings behind us and the Bills. I think it's closer to between the Ravens and the Bills than than any other two teams right now. And, you know, I, I have to say that it, it would make a lot of sense for the offense. I think that the Ravens could try and trade back from 22 and get 34 in exchange for Hopkins, for example. <laughs> Um, I think it also depends on what the Cardinals end up doing with the number three pick. They want to trade out of it. They want to pick up extra picks. uh, And if they're able to, that may change what their desired compensation is for Hopkins in terms of number of picks. They still will have him at the same value, of course, but they might be looking for only one pick in return or a pick swap in return to upgrade one of their picks rather than trying to amass picks by trading him. Um, you know, we'll see how this plays out. I definitely, you know, wouldn't wouldn't hate the acquisition. There would be obviously cap numbers, Jackson Lamar Jackson contract stuff to work out. Um, but this this would be a big move. This would be the second, you know, kind of massive move that DaCosta has made in the span of a month, right before the draft, and you know, really put the Ravens in a really good position to just tick off. You know the best players on their board in this draft. After filling, really rounding out their offense, they wouldn't need to draft a receiver at this point. Adding Hopkins, cornerback um, is still a need, but I still think there's a lot of confidence that this this defense can add a veteran cornerback to to start if needed. So, just your quick thoughts on the, on the Hopkins rumors before we before we get into our day three prospects.
1: Yeah, man. Um, Hopkins is a player that they've been going after for a little bit. It goes back to 2020. Unfortunately, apparently they, they did have a deal in place to get Hopkins. Unfortunately, our good friend uh the butt chin, Bill O'Brien, said no. They don't want to send him to a uh, AFC A AFC opponent, if you remember. The, the the Ravens did play the Chiefs in um in 2020. They did not want to see that. So they sent them to Arizona. At the time, it was considered to be one of the biggest steals of all time getting mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins for a second round pick and David Johnson. But now it's, I think it's, it's funny how now we go back and, and three years ago, this, that was considered to be the worst trade of all time. And now this year he might get traded for even less. And now, and now it's just like, well, that's, well, that's just, it's, it's too much to give up a second round pick. It's just funny how the NFL cycle just goes through players, but obviously Hopkins would add a lot to the Ravens Ravens room. They already have Odell. They have Rashad Bateman, they they do need that to me. I think that that third wide receiving piece really completes that defense. You know, build that basketball team in terms of like like what you want to do on on um on. I say defense, I, I, I meant offense. So obviously the stuff about like the the, the draft compensation and, and the cap move. There's a lot of moving parts, which is the reason why I don't think it's happened yet. It's because teams want to see what's on the board. Teams want to see, okay, well if Hopkins is costs this much. It's a very deep wide receiving class, as we'll get into. Why should I give up this when I can just get this wide receiver this late? And that's probably why the, the Bills, Chiefs, Ravens have always been in rumors, but it's never really gotten done until right now when the rumors are swirling because teams want to see what's available. Teams want to keep, keep their options open. And... Yeah. I mean, when you're thinking about trading a pick, right, that that's,
0: that's, a, that's, you know, that's a theoretical player. If You don't know who that is. You have a value assigned to the pick, but the player that you might get at that pick might be even more valuable to you than the pick itself. And so that's why, you know, I'd be surprised if this went down before really, honestly, before the draft started, I think that the Ravens and the cards kept it under wraps as best as they could last year. I still think the Hollywood trade leaked and that's why the saints traded up to take Chris Olave. I think that was the Ravens, one of the Ravens primary targets at 14. But, you know, I think that, that, that being able to keep it mostly under wraps and certainly under wraps from the public last year, I think is what, um, what, what you'd expect to see again this year, both if it's the bills or it's the Ravens um, you know, I think the chiefs, the Chiefs, I guess you could still consider them a dark horse, as well as the Giants. I think there was a report earlier today, um, and so I think it's one of those things where it's we'll know when we know if we know. Um, you know, certainly an exciting prospect, but uh, I think that the devil certainly is in the details, like you were saying with all the moving parts. Moving on to uh, moving on to day three of the draft, which is what we're focusing on today. Um, you know I just want to kind of go through all the different positions the Ravens are looking at we know they're prioritizing most likely wide receiver and cornerback although if a Hopkins trade happens it's you know really cornerback is their tier one um, biggest need Um, and and just kind of go through some of the day three prospects that we included in our in our roundtable rankings so let's take a look at receiver first Um, a lot of big targets it looks like what we're what 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 our panel was looking for, our, our analysts at roster report really wanted a, a big receiver, um, contested catch skills, um, which which makes sense given those team struggles in the red zone and, and given their current receiving roster, which I believe only has one player taller than six feet right now, and that's Michael Thomas, the you know basically a camp body. Um, and so adding I think adding a big receiver has got to be a priority in this draft. Um, I personally put down uh, Andre Osivas who, um, you know, he he's the track runner from Princeton. He he is is fairly raw as a route runner, as a football player in general. Um, but when you see his just pure speed and pure ability at the catch point, I think that those are two immediately translatable skills that Todd Monken can kind of go to work with um, early on in Eosovas' NFL career. Um, even if he doesn't develop into kind of an elite, you know, route runner, I think that's going to be hard given his profile. Um, but he, he, he could – He could become a speedster that contributes to this offense, make some plays in the red zone. Um, And if we have to move on from Devin DuVernay, he's even the kind of guy that I would love to train up in the return game and just use his natural speed there as well.
1: Yeah, um, Andre Isavayas is a a really, really fun player. He reminds me a lot of Marcus Valdez-Scantling, former Packers receiver, current chief receiver, um, small school guy, pretty tall, runs really fast. Tested out of the gym, he put up a nine point nine five res score according to um, uh, Math Bomb. Really, really fun Twitter follow. If you if you if you know, um, like you mentioned, he put up really good numbers. He he's a he was a senior bowl standout. He he is very raw in route running. Um, the hands I think are pretty good. Like I do think they could be a little bit better, but he does use his size. Does use his speed speed very well. Again, it's sort of hard to get Ave Reed when he's playing at such a small school in Princeton, mm-hmm. but this, I like, I'm going to mention multiple times, day three is when you take the risk on the athletes. This is when you take, this is when you take the dart throws, and this is where I think the Ravens have gotten in trouble in day three, is that they're valuing the production of the day three guys, rather than the potential of the day three guys. Mm. Like, the, the, the biggest one to me was Dalen Hayes, the edge rusher from Notre Dame, just had a pretty decent career at Notre Dame, just never did anything in the NFL, was just not a good athlete at all. He was just pretty slow, decent power rusher. But, like, he was another day three guy that like they, they, they thought could be something. And he just wasn't – he was the exact opposite of betting on the traits. Mm-hmm. So, to me, I think that's a great pick. Um, I am going to go in a little bit di- different direction for my guy. This is – my guy was Jaden Reed out of Michigan State. Reed is a very fascinating watch to me in the keel. He is around six foot, but he plays like six foot four, which is why I think I liked him so much. Because I think while he's not the biggest guy in the world, he he just dominates on those on those go balls. He dominates on those on those 50-50 chances. He's he was a touchdown hawk at Michigan State. he's He's a red zone target. I think one of the reasons why the Ravens have had such issues scoring is because they don't have a red zone target outside of Mark Andrews. Like we saw it multiple times. Like it's like where was Lamar Jackson going to go to in some of these in some of these plays? Like he's not throwing a go ball to like tiny ass like Hollywood Brown. He's not throwing a go a go ball to to you know, DeMarcus Robinson who, who has trouble catching. So it's like he would be like the that the to me he's the type of like chance you take in in the late rounds.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, I I like to read, I watched a few of his games, definitely the kind of tough eval because of, of the offense at Michigan state, Um, you know, not a well-rounded offense, not a very good offense in general. And so, you know, he was really the only playmaker and you could see when he was making plays, but you, you could also see how, you know, there was uh, there was little space opened up for him to do a lot more so i think he, he did a lot with what he could um i like reed i think i think my i say this a lot my my biggest thing about receivers receivers have two jobs more than any other it's to get open and make catches getting yards after the catch um getting yards after the catch is great run blocking is great Um, you know, being able to, you know, chase down deep balls like Hollywood is great, but at the end of the day, you have to get open. So your, so your quarterback can throw you the ball. And when he does, you got to catch it. And I think that Reed fits that mold of a guy who just pretty sharp route runner. Isn't the biggest, like you said, but knows how to play big. Um, you know, would not, wouldn't hate this as a day three pick. I've heard, I've heard some people saying that he should go as early as day two. So this would definitely be a solid value pick on day three. Uh, moving on to cornerback. This is an interesting spot for the Ravens in, in my opinion, because, they don't really have a second outside cornerback or a clear starting slot cornerback right now. And like I said earlier, I think it's very easy, especially with how talented this defense is to sign a, a, a you know, a free agent cornerback right now. There's, there's still Kyle Fuller from last year. There's Shaquille Griffin, Marcus Peters is still out there. I know they had a visit with Rocky Sin. Um, you know, those are all options, but none of them are on the team. And, and beyond that cornerback two right now is Brandon Stevens. And I am maybe a founding member of Brandon Stevens hive. I I love the guy. I think he is, has improved tremendously after having to, this has always been remarkable for me switch from, I believe running back to wide receiver briefly to cornerback in college, switch to safety as a rookie in the pros and then back to cornerback in his second year. And by the end of last year, he looked really good again in those two games against the Bengals towards the end of the season. So, uh, you know, he's a third round pick, You know, third round pick starting outside cornerback in his third year would not be, you know, out of the question. Um, It's just maybe it's not ideal, but I think then you could focus on more of a slot guy, um, a slot only guy in the draft. Um, That being said, uh, you know, I think there's a I think there's a really interesting mix of players available on day three. They have a few of the, you know, prototypical big, long um Ravens outside cornerbacks like Corey Trice, who Adam Bonacorsi went with. Um, I even like Keabu, uh, Q Blue Kelly from Stanford. He's also like one of those rangy or long, rangy outside press man cornerbacks that Baltimore likes. Um, but you went in a little different direction with Jacorian Bennett. So why don't you why don't you explain to me um you know what that pick was and why you like him?
1: Yeah, um Jacorian Bennett is is the second corner from Maryland. The other one is Deontay Banks, which obviously a lot of Ravens fans want. But um, Bennett is to me like a little bit different than than Banks. I, I like the versatility of the Raven of the Maryland corners. They play a lot of zone, play a lot of man. I think that's that's something that um, that uh, Mike M- Mike McDonald really values is the versatility is DBs, whether you can play slot, play outside, do man, play play zone. It's it's a it's they they like versatile pieces like that. Bennett to me is it was super impressive with the combine ran a really good 40 tested out the gym. He's, he's, he's built pretty, he's built pretty well. Um, a little bit like big, strong, like he, he's, he's the type of dude that you, that you take it, again, like another one of these, like the, the shot in the dark. Cause that's really what what you're looking for at this point is that like, well, like you're looking for guys that like you can develop. You're not really looking for a day three guy that like you need to make an impact and that's kind of what what can make like teams get into a little bit of a trouble is that you're expecting day three guys to make big impacts and for me i think jacorion bennett would be a really fun developmental pick and that's why i think i really like it he's the athlete it is he his tape was a little uh, underwhelming he didn't make a lot of plays on, on on the football even though they were um, he left a lot of meat on the bone, which I think is the biggest problem with me. I don't like when corners leave a lot of meat on the bone in terms of plays. If you have a chance to make an interception, make that interception. If you have a chance to break the ball up, like it's like go go hunt, be that playmaker. And I think that was like my, my biggest problem with him. But again, we're in day three, so that's really where we're like that's my only really big like concern for him.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, that's something people talked about with Deontay banks his Maryland teammate, you know, didn't, didn't turn his head around quick enough and make plays on the ball, which I didn't really find to be as much of an issue in his film. Like, as you're saying is as, as Bennett to me, that is, that is something that can be developed in the NFL, you know, what you can't develop is Bennett's athletic profile. I think he could be a contributor on special teams too. Um, so I really like that pick. Um, you know, I don't know how, I don't know. Like he's definitely a day three prospect. He's definitely more of a developmental guy. And I think with blue Kelly, um, I, I think, he's such a good fit for the Ravens and has the experience that I think he could be, I'm not starting him over Brandon Stevens as a rookie. Don't get me wrong, but I think I'd feel better about blue Kelly hopping into a major role as a rookie than I did about, um, for example, Jalen armor Davis last year um, just because blue Kelly is just such a good outside press man. Um, cornerback that I think you could stick him in that role. You'd have to protect him a little bit on in breaking routes. He's not as sharp crossing the field as he is walling guys up off the sideline. Um, But you know, his his tape is, his tape is solid. And, And I think that that is, that is kind of an interesting player to see fall into day three where he has very clear limitations. Um, He isn't much of a factor in the run game. But again, when you're talking about a rookie who may need to step up into a bigger role um, in a, you know, what is not a super thin cornerback room, but certainly not one that's full of starting level talent. You know, he's the kind of guy that I, I wouldn't hate adding to this team and say, look, you know, it's, it's week eight, someone picked up a hamstring injury. We need you to just get in there and, and, you know, block down someone on the outside and, and just, you know, prevent anyone from getting over the top, give him specific roles, give him specific responsibilities. Um, and I think that he can excel there, especially, um, you know, given that he's a press man cornerback and that, and that's what the Ravens love uh, moving on to we, uh, offensive line here. We can, we can, we can look at the offensive line. I think that that article is going up today and we can, and uh, we can talk about those picks They'll They'll be published by the time we post this up on YouTube. I think that the Ravens are have a little bit of a tendency, and we'll we'll see if they continue this to kind of wait until day three for their offensive linemen, partially for positional value and partially because of their history of developing them. And I'd say the same for defensive linemen, although I think the you know obviously edge is a greater positional value. Um, but on the interior, they also tend to wait until day three to make those picks. Um, it works for them this year, I think, because. Um, you know, starting left guard is still a little bit of a question mark, but otherwise they're set at their four other positions. And so they're really looking for, I think they need a backup center. You know, there are only two guys who can snap the ball in Baltimore right now. That's Tyler Linderbaum, Patrick McCurry. Uh Tristan Colon went to the Giants and obviously Ben Powers got that big deal with the Broncos and he was the emergency center last year. So they need, they, they need someone that can snap the ball. And, and that is, you know, as we know in Baltimore, that is not actually that common of a skill. Um, you know, we've had you know, haven't had that many like undrafted, you know, undrafted guys other than Cologne rotate through that can snap a ball competently. And so that was something I was really looking for. Um, when I went, when I went with Ola Segun, from Michigan, um, he, he didn't, he didn't jump off the screen when I was watching him. Definitely was not a guy where I was like, Oh, there's a future starting center. Um, but I definitely see him as a guy that you can have as a backup right away. He's getting a little bit pegged as a as a as a center only prospect, but um, you know the the and again I don't you know know him or anyone at Michigan personally, but the the reports about his work ethic and his his attitude, his ability to anchor the middle of the line makes me think that he can develop in in Baltimore, especially you know a Baltimore offensive line that has shown a knack for developing late round um, offensive linemen into starters at center or guard. You know Bozeman came out of Alabama, a center um, was you know, pretty quickly developed into a guard, very easily moved back to center when he was needed to. So, you know, I think that, you know, I, I like, I like all I think I have a little bit of that Michigan bias that the castle has too. Um, but it was the best offensive line in the middle of the year. And he, he was the one anchoring it. I don't think that anyone else from that offensive line is expected to go much higher than him and um, either this year or next year. And so I think that he's just, you know, an excellent all around prospect to add on day three.
1: Yeah. Um, Again, an, another another um, Michigan connection. That'll be another, another Michigan guy. Um, obviously, M- McDonald and Harbaugh, the Horrible Harbaugh Brothers. Um, obviously, if if there is anybody who's going to know more about um, Olutimi, it's going to be John Horrible. Like John's going to talk to Jim. He's going to say, "Look, this guy, this guy, really hard worker." Like John knows will know everything he needs to know about every single Michigan prospect in this draft because he has he has the inside connection with 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 Jim and you know I I liked I liked him um I thought he was a really solid prospect was not a good tester I think people were really waiting for like Kim's to, like to put up like monstrous numbers in the testing in the testing game didn't have the best senior bowl but is a very good player when you when you when you look on the film he, he's he he's a reliable pass blocker he's a he's a really good run 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 blocker he's he sort of does I guess he kind of does remind me of like what of like what, what, what Ben Powers was coming out of Oklahoma a couple years ago. He'd follow the Ben Powers track of getting the sit for like a, a year or two and then developing and then finally has that one breakout season and then eventually he you know eventually he they, they they leave. So I, I like I really like him. I think he's he's pretty solid. I not be I would not be mad at all if he's our if he's our if he's one of our day three picks. I don't think you can really get mad at that. Plus, he's so, so versatile. He can play a lot of different positions. He's a really fun player. For me, Nikhil, I had to take the easy layup. I saw it. I, I had opening opening to the hoop, and I slammed it down. It's Chandler Zavala. I'm not even sure he's going to be available at day three because it seems like every single NFL fan base on Twitter, on draft media, on 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 any kind of like insider loves this dude. I'm not even sure he's going to be able to get into – Day three. But but I'm telling you what, he is so much fun to watch McKeel. He is a really, really, really good run blocker. He gets down there, he plays dirty, he'll bow those guys out of out of the way. Um the pass block is definitely a he's he's a good pass blocker, but I do think he does need need to get need to get a little bit better. I think his, his feet were, were just a little bit slow. But I think you can improve um, feet speed. I think you can improve that. I think it's actually harder, Nikhil. I think it's going to be a take. I think it's harder to improve um, hand speed than it is um, foot speed. I can improve foot speed. Hand speed's a little bit different because I think hand speed's much more about placement, much more about where you go. So I think it's definitely a little bit, little bit harder. So I think Chandler Zavala is just that. If he's there in the fourth round, Ravens are going to run. The, are going to run this pickup. He's they're going to. They're gonna do whatever it takes to me, in my opinion, to get him if he's available in the fourth. I remember it would be very similar to when Daniel Fodalele went to the Ravens in the fourth round last year. Because I'm like, I'm like, he's available in the fourth round. There's no way they're passing him up. And the the very first pick on day three was Fodalele. he would be a very similar situation.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I I like Zavala too. I agree that you know my 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 main the main drawback with thinking about him is just if he's going to be available on day four. Um, you know, that, that being said, I think he's one of those late risers in this draft class that I think because a lot of people, um, or at least in the public, were are kind of late to the game in terms of, you know, putting him up there as a top guard prospect that he might kind of catch that wave up all the way up into the, uh, into day two, um, where, you know, I don't know, I, I'm not sure I'd necessarily put him as a solid day two player. I think he's more on the line between day two and three for me. And so if he catches that wave up. Um, From day three into day two, you know, he just keeps his momentum. I could definitely see him going earlier, but a great pick in the, uh, a great pick in the, in the fourth or fifth round. If he's, if he's there moving on to defensive line, other side of the trenches, Um, I, you know, this is an interesting need for the Ravens, I think, because you could say that they probably could stand to add a player at any of the positions across the defensive line from, you know, your, your edge rusher all the way into your nose tackle. Um, they could stand to add a player at pretty much any of those spots. I think the most clear spot is a three technique losing Calais Campbell. You don't have Jason Pierre, Paul or Justin Houston who could slide inside every now and then. And, um, you know, I, I think that probably that's going to look like that's going to feel like the biggest defensive line need. I think, you know, edge rusher, they have OA Ojabo and Bowser. Um, you know, that's, that's three solid or that's three solid edge rushers. I don't know if any of them are elite guys, but I'm not sure that edge rusher is, is, is as a top of a need as everyone thinks when, you know, we don't know who's going to be manning the middle. Um, Clayus Campbell's gone. I think a Justin Houston reunion could be more is definitely, you know, possible. And that would make it seem like, you know, your three or five tech defensive lineman is more of a need. That's why I went with Mauro Joma out of Texas. Um, there are a lot of tweeners in this class. There's um, there's Carl Brooks, Um, There's Mike Morris. There's a lot of tweeners on day three defensive linemen. That's not a Jomo. He's just he's a pure three tech. Um, That's where he'll play in the NFL. He's got a lot of length, a lot of strength that he'll try to use to bull rush pockets early on, but he'll need to develop some other other moves. The reason I'm okay with that is that we've got Anthony Weaver, in my opinion, one of the best defensive line coaches in the game right now, does a really good job of training up these, you know, physical athletic prospects into solid contributors. And Ojomo's going to be an impact player on rundowns right away, I think. I think he'll look like he'll look like Justin Matabike pretty early on, I think, with his ability to to shed blocks and just win in the run game. Um I think the ceiling is even higher if you can figure out pass rushing, as it is for a lot of interior defensive linemen. But um, if there's a if there's a place that I would want him to develop that game, it's with Anthony Weaver in Baltimore.
1: Yeah, he's a he's a he's a pretty fun player to watch on tape, man. Really underrated player. I'm surprised he's not getting a little bit more buzz, just because he has such a high floor as a as a really good run stopping stopping three tech. As 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 unvaluable as some fans think that is, the NFL does value that. Like it's like there there is a role for that. And I'm surprised he's not getting a lot of love. He's he's a really fun player. Again, he's a bit of a tweener like you like like you mentioned. There's a lot of tweeners in this class. Um Joe, but I think what gives Joe the edge over those guys is, is his age. He's only 21 and he you have a lot of time to grow to the point where if you can get that pass rush up, he's going to be after two years of development, what, 23, and like that's that's when he's he's so young. That's when like I think that's the the edge that he has over these other guys is that I think he's a lot younger than, than, than a Carl Brooks. I think he's a lot younger than, like, a lot of other players. And I think he's he's so much – he's a really fun player to watch. Really, really fun pick there. I would not complain at all if that's the pick in the fourth round. For me, I went with a little bit more – I went with a little bit uh, of a different direction. I went for pass rush over run-stopping. I went with Yaya Dayabi out of Louisville. Mm. You watch his tape, you get – it is so much fun to watch he's such a bendy firecracker off that edge he's so fast when when he gets when he, when he gets off that line it is explosive as anything he is very rough around the edges though he has great athleticism he has he basically just i don't know man it's like he just he's just so much fun to watch he's shorter he's doesn't really have the longest of arms, which is the reason why he's in this tier right now. If he had longer arms and he was a little bit younger, I think he'd be a no doubt day two pick. He'd be in that range with Felix Anaduke Uzama and Bijo Jalari and um even like a guy like a like an Andre Carter, II second out out of Army. He'd be in that range. But the reason why he's on that range is because just he does have a lack of physic. He does have like physical limitations, which unfortunately you can't you can't teach. So I think that is like the one big fall for him. But if he's available in like the fourth or the fifth, even if he falls out of the whole entire draft process in in, in general, and if he's a UDFA, I don't expect that. But if he is, this would be a really fun pickup for the Ravens.
0: Yeah, and I think as you were saying before, you know, betting on production ha- has been something they've done in the past. But it really feels like their successes late in the draft have really come from getting these traitsy guys who they coach up. They they you know they, they've they've had good defensive coordinators for the past several years. And um, whether it's Wink, um, Pagano was one of our defensive coordinators. We had, um, and of course, Mike McDonald right now. And, you know, just just give them these guys that have, you know, traits to work with that they can then scheme stuff up for kind of like, and, and I think Mike McDonald d- designs his defense kind of like an offense in a way to me. Um, he uses weapons. He tries to attack the offense instead of, just defending against them. And I think that Diaby would be a really good contribution to that. He'd be a piece um, that McDonald can kind of deploy as a weapon instead of just saying, okay, go set the edge, go hold. Don't just hold attack. And that, and that's kind of McDonald's uh, mental uh, mentality when it comes to his defensive coaching, moving on to day three quarterbacks. um, This one, I think we went with the same pick here, Dorian Thompson, Robinson. Um, You know, he, he to me is just the definition of a backup quarterback for, Lamar Jackson, he's got great physical tools. He's got uh, he's got plenty of speed, obviously, but a really surprisingly good arm. I compare his arm favorably to like all of the day three quarterbacks in this class. Um, and I also think that toughness attitude that we love in Tyler Huntley really shows up on the field. I think I first took note of DTR um, really as a as a favorite, you know, day three target of mine when I saw him lead blocking for Zach Charbonnet on a lot of the film out UCLA film I would watch. And, you know, Charbonnet has, you know, whether it's designed or, you know, Charbonnet just has the agility to cut back and, and, and kind of reverse field. And Robinson would be out there plowing into linebackers, linemen, whatever, to, to just get a block off and open up some space for his running back. And I, I like that not just because of the attitude that it shows, but also because that's the kind of thing that you need from your backup quarterback. If your backup quarterback's in the game. That means something has gone wrong with your starting quarterback and you're going to need every little bit that you can get because the margins get so much slimmer. So when he's willing to do the things like run block, um, that, that makes a huge difference. He's the kind of guy that chases down the defender if he gets intercepted because he won't let it turn to a pick six. That being said, his ball security, something that needs to be coached up. His confidence when it comes to ripping throws, I love, but again, something that's going to have to be tempered a little bit. Something I'd definitely rather have to rein in in the pros as a guy's confidence to rip throws into tough windows than to have to, uh, you know, convince him that he can do it. So I, I love, I love the attitude and just the overall skill set that he brings um, to the Ravens as a, as really an ideal backup for Lamar in this kind of offense.
1: Yeah, um, me and me and you both had the same pick. DTR is a very fun player to watch. Like you mentioned, I think you really hammered in a lot of his um his uh his um strengths and weaknesses. To me, I think he's a very spitting image of Tyler Huntley coming out of Utah. He's literally, to me, I think he's a very he's almost the same kind of, kind of prospect. He has a great arm, very underrated arm. Um he's a great athlete. He ran a really good 40. Um, obviously, I think Stetson Bennett will be the popular pick here by many Ravens fans due to the Georgia connections with Todd Monkton. Um, to me, I think this late in the draft, I think again, bet on the athleticism, like bet on the freak, the freak of nature that that needs to develop his 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 accuracy and his touch. But like you said, he's a very I think he's a very raw raw team guy. I think teams are going to love that about him. Like you mentioned, the um the blocks. Like 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 going out and, and blocking for your for your um running back. Not usually something you see from a quarterback, but he does it. It's on film. Um I can definitely see him um uh, being if he makes it through the draft process, he will be one of the most coveted UDFAs. Out of all of these guys, he will be very similar to Carson Strong in last year's draft cycle, where I think Strong was just signed immediately after after the draft started. If he makes it through the process, he will be the first guy to get calls. I'm telling you what, right now, people are going to come after him. If he makes it out of the draft, at, at, out of the draft, he would be a great backup for the Ravens.
0: Yeah, well, and I think that's why I just don't see him making it out of the draft because the you know I think teams are starting to understand that you know, not just having a backup is important, but having a high floor backup that you can, you know, kind of design a different offense around, you know, even if he isn't playing for an Eagles or a Ravens where, or a Bears, where, you know, he can step right into a run, a, a dual threat offense for, for his skill set. He's also like, he just brings a high floor with his rushing ability as a backup. You like, that's exactly what you want in a backup. And so, um, you know, I think, I think DTR would be, would be a great, a great pick on day three. I also think there's kind of the, the politics involved in it, you don't like I think picking Hendon Hooker for the Ravens would just be a mistake in a lot of ways. I think it would pretty much uh, it would be either a waste of a pick or it would torpedo your chances of keeping Lamar and reduce your leverage. If you if you tried to deal Lamar, you know, maybe next offseason, um, you know, it would hurt your relationship with Lamar by drafting who appears to be a clear successor. Instead of drafting a guy who you say, Lamar, this is your backup, like this is your understudy. And as long as you're here, it's going to be hard. It's going to be pretty much impossible for him to break out of that role. Um, whereas if Lamar gets hurt, Hooker takes over and, you know, explodes. Who knows what happens? So with DTR, it's more, you know, you draft a backup, you have him fill that role and and yeah, you don't rock the boat too much. And I think that's important. Um, finally, we'll talk about our wild card. And this has been a bit of a fun one over a Street report, just to come up with different guys um, that, you know, they're not edge rushers. They're not wide receivers or cornerbacks. They're not like the most, you know, positionally value or highly touted prospects, especially given, you know, the Ravens lack of draft picks, you really expect them to go after need based players. Um, but you could argue that there's a need across, you know, different positions. I think the only one where there's a clear lack of need is tight end. Um, you know, we have three guys. That I'm pretty comfortable with at tight end plus Patrick Ricard, um, that being said, you know Chuck Clark's departure. We don't have a you know really experienced safety in the defensive back room anymore, um, especially a guy who might be able to drop down and play slot like Chuck Clark did running back there's no running backs on the roster after um other than justice hill after next year both you know dobbins is kind of expected to move on because i don't see the ravens paying him a big market level contract and it seems like gus edwards deal would have been an extension if the ravens had intended to keep him much past this year instead they just restructured his deal to include void years and reduce his cap hit this year uh and of course at linebacker um, you know, the Bravens may or may not pick up Patrick Queen's fifth-year option. They have, you know, Josh Ross, Malik Harrison, but they don't really have a long-term running mate for Roquan Smith as it stands. And I don't think that's going to be Patrick Queen just because of the money involved in paying, you know, two starting caliber inside linebackers. So, uh, you know, it's it's thinking about needs a year, two years out, which is something that I think NFL teams take into account more than fans do. Um, typically, when they're thinking about the draft is, you know, especially on day three, you're not going to get a guy who's going to contribute, who's going to be a major contributor year one he might be a rotational guy he might contribute on special teams but not much beyond that whereas when you look at you know a day three guy two three years out from his draft night then you're starting to think about okay how could this guy really be an important player for my team um so you want to start off by telling me who you went with for wild card and then i'll, I'll give you some other options that i thought of
1: yeah um to me, the the, the, the wild card, I, I went with running back in the day three. I think day three running backs are really easy to find. We've seen guys like uh, I, Isaiah Pacheco for, for, for the Chiefs last year go. We've seen other guys like that. And you mentioned how Gus Edwards might not be here long. Well, uh, uh, Nikki, what if I told you you could get Gus Edwards in the seventh round? That, to me, is Chris Rodriguez Jr. out of Kentucky, He's a really solid running back, man. He gives me Gus Edwards vibes. He's a very, very powerful runner with that with that really good lower half. He runs through tackles. He'll 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 he'll, he'll take somebody to the ground. He'll throw in a, a nice a nice um, stiff arm. To me, I think he would be the exact opposite of Tyler Beatty last year. The Ravens tried their hands at taking a little smaller receiving um, running back. It didn't work out for some reason didn't he didn't he didn't gel with the with the rest of the the coaching staff for some reason um got got picked up by by denver but this this would basically be like the inverse of that like this would be classic ravens powerful strong running back late to eventually become a very good backup this would be the gus edwards replacement for me
0: Yeah. I I like, uh, I like that pick. I like Rodriguez as, you know, just that late round power back that you're, you know, you're just fairly comfortable giving him the ball. And I think what I'm looking for in in day three, in, in, day, in day three running backs is guys that I'm just comfortable giving the ball in really in short yard situations to just grind out two to three yards because, At a minimum, that's what you like. You know, you want to you want to minimize negatives on run plays, and I think Rodriguez is the kind of guy that it's just really tough to bring him down in the backfield, like Gus Edwards. Um, He's not super shifty, but he's got enough of that first cut ability, like Edwards does, to make a guy miss in the backfield. And and just keep losses from you know just keep losses from accumulating in the run game. Um, m- my pick for for wild card, I think I'm going to go with Owen Papo for out of Auburn. He's he's small. I'll, I'll preface this with that. He's right around six foot. He's about 220 pounds. He's not like a big mauler linebacker, but he's fast. His uh his 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 his, comp- his speed score um from from his 40 yard dash is four three nine forty for a linebacker, um, at 225, which is incredible. He's explosive. Um, I think he'd be a really, and he's got a really good coverage grade. I think that he interestingly, because of his size, doesn't really profile as a stack and shed run run stopping kind of inside linebacker. Um, to me, he profiles a little bit more of a Chris board kind of guy, a guy who you're comfortable putting in on passing downs and who will dominate on special teams with his speed and and his, and his work ethic. So, um, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his, I think watching, um, Watching some of his, some of his tape, you can tell that his size, um, his size is an issue. His strength is not, he actually, you know, I know bench press isn't the end all be all for strength at the combine, but he did have 29 bench reps and that's as a relatively smaller player, um, relatively shorter arms than, than most guys you are looking at in the middle of the field. Um, you know, kind of a, a guy, you know, I see, you know, again, this is not like a, he can be as good as Roquan Smith. It's just the first name I thought of kind of similar to how Roquan is really good at sifting through traffic instead of blowing through guys to make plays. I kind of see that for Popo. Um, you know, I think he'll contribute on special teams right away with that ability to move through traffic. Um, and if he can become somewhat of a, of a coverage guy in the pros as a, as kind of a, a sub linebacker a nickelbacker, maybe um, I think that would be a fantastic kind of, Place for him to land in Baltimore. Again, a guy that Mike McDonald can use not just as a defender, but as a weapon to attack other teams' offenses.
1: Yeah. Um, Papo would. Papo's a really, a really interesting player. I think he's really interesting compared to the other kind of smaller, uh, running uh, linebacker in this class to, um, Yvonne Pace Jr. from Cincinnati. I think both of them are kind of like a little bit different, a little bit different, similar build, a little bit different uh, play styles. I think Pace is a little bit of a better run defender, but I think Popo's the better coverage player. Again, Popo, my issue with him is that he just gets annihilated in the run, which I think is kind of like, not the world's biggest problem if we are so late, but I just do wonder how the Ravens do feel about that. We know that the Ravens are a little bit more old school when it comes to valuing run defense in terms of from, from there, from their front seven players, he would be a really fun pickup. Again, he'd be a very similar to, to John, to, uh, to, to uh, kind Josh of, Josh Ross. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. Josh Ross and like mm-hmm. Chris bort like very similar, but it's like players to them. Um, I I certainly wouldn't wouldn't hate it. I understand the, the the need the need for for a linebacker. I just some of the linebackers in this class, Nikhil, just don't really necessarily wet wet my whistle. I would more so like see I, I know this might sound crazy, but if, if Patrick Queen really is too expensive and we have to trade him, would it really be the worst thing in the world to give Malik Harrison starting reps next to Roquan Smith?
0: No, I mean, I think, I think Harrison looked quite good next to Roquan last year, but I think you run into the same issue with him as you do with Queen, which is that he's going into the last year of his contract. And so, you know, Queen, I think the Ravens have until early May, I think, to pick up his fifth-year option. Um, not sure if they're going to do that. It is, you know, it's not a really expensive – It's I don't think it's projected to be especially expensive in general, but it's still paying a lot for a guy who's your second inside linebacker behind a guy you're already paying $20 million a year to. I think – Queen would probably cost more on his fifth-year option in that year than um, Roquan would against the cap, and so you run into that same issue with Malik Harrison again. I'd love to give him the reps, but the thing is, if he really overperforms, he could go get a contract elsewhere, kind of like Ben Powers did in his main year as a starter. Um, you know, that's why I could see them taking a shot on a guy late. Um, D. Winters, I think, is another that visited Baltimore and apparently had a really good meeting with him very early in the draft process, um, and, and could be like a you know another special teams um linebacker two that they kind of develop into a linebacker two who contributes early on special teams um they had another meeting with and i can't remember his name off the top of my head but but another linebacker who looks like he's projected amari bernie out of florida who bit bigger looks like he's a bit projected to go linebacker but he is you know definitely a hybrid safety linebacker guy um he's he's a bit bigger than popo but has a little bit more of a safety um a, a safety profile um definitely like if you're thinking like a you know Tony Jefferson, Anthony Levine, those guys who you know, you know were called safeties but really played linebacker most of their career. Um, you know, I could see the Ravens going after one of those players as well to try and just again boost the coverage chops in a linebacker core um, because you're really confident in how you feel about stopping the run with that front seven as it stands. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, totally I think hard. I think this pretty much brings us to the end of our of, of our day three prospects. Unless there's anyone else specific that you want to add, um, you know, I think it's worth mentioning. You know, the Ravens have. Uh, they have just three day three picks. Um, they have a fourth rounder, a fifth, and a seventh rounder or and a sixth rounder this year. Um, that I think that was the result of a pick swap last year, two years ago. Um, you know, it's not a lot of picks. They're gonna have to really prioritize um what positions need fit, something that I think they struggled with in past years. I think they did a really good job balancing those things last year, but um Yeah, I think it's and it's also going to be a question of who falls there. You know, what what guys do you expect to go on day two that are available day three? And all of a sudden, if a situation happens where, you know, a Daniel Falele falls to you in the fourth round, you know, do you take that or do you stick with who you plan to take originally? The Ravens tend to go with the best player available. um, And so I'd expect to see that continue on Saturday. Uh, Any final thoughts on the day three prospect class, Jared?
1: Um, not not particularly. I think I've kind of like spoken. I've spoken on my trips about this class. I will say, if you're looking for value later, um, I would look at two positions. I would look at the wide receiver in the corner positions. This is really where you can find value. Ironically, it's the two Ravens' biggest needs. So mm-hmm. maybe that plays into the DeAndre Hopkins trade again. It's like we go back and forth to we go back to the Andre Hopkins trade. It's like, well, if they are giving up number twenty-two in this in this trade, and we get the Arizona's second rounder and maybe we get a little bit more picks it's like well well you know what we have the, the wide receivers now but maybe maybe we don't feel confident about it later so maybe that's when a john mingo a um isovis a uh perry a j a Jaden reed pick comes into play at wide receiver and, and same thing for corner it's like another thing i didn't mention is that the ravens might have a handshake agreement in place before the draft with um cornerback Rocky uh, mm-hmm. Former former Oakland Raiders quarterback, and he'd be a really solid number two corner beside Marlon Humphrey, and and maybe like that is where you take the the pick on Mikai Blackman or or Jacorion Bennett or um your guy Caillou Ka- 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 Blue Kelly or Travis Hodges Hodges Tomlinson. It's like maybe that's where you take that that hit. And again, like that's where I think the value of the class is there. I think the other the the less. The most the the least valuable I think is that quarterback. I think if it's not Dorian Thompson and Robinson, I really just don't even want him. I don't want anything to do with Sense and Bennett. I don't know about you. I just don't. I I just don't like it. Like he got kicked out of the Senior Bowl for like for like drunk drunk driving. So like maybe that's just not even like it's like the, the Ravens aren't even gonna touch that. Yeah, so I mean I that's, that's a maybe- that's a big
0: thing for the Ravens is those character concerns. They're known for taking guys completely off their board. That being said, the Munkin – the Munkin connection's undeniable. Bennett's growth, uh, Munkin's ability to use Bennett um is is really undeniable. We saw how how much better Georgia's offense got in last year, last year, um, after their first championship season. We saw how much better Bennett looked and and how he was able to use his, you know, Munkin was able to get him to use his legs, both um in schemed runs and scrambles. Um you know, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it as much as you do. I think it's the kind of you know sixth round dice roll I want to take if he slips down there. But certainly plenty to answer about those character questions that you know the Ravens typically do not have too much tolerance for. Um, so you know that's that's one that a lot of people are predicting just because of Munkin and the fact that we need a cheaper backup quarterback for the future. But I do agree with you. I think DTR is really the guy that I'm. I, I'd prefer the most. You could even say I'm DTF with DTR. And I think that's about where we should end this podcast. Jared, thanks so much for joining me today. And uh, we'll definitely have you back on the podcast in the future after the draft.
1: Thank you, Nikhil.